going. It's the first quarter of the big game. You want to toss up a Hail Mary. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. If you're good at something, never do it for free. I'd like to be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona, but it's not Halloween. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Grow up, Peter Pan. No chocula. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there, and they say yeah, and they stay there. Hello, Lord Base Station Jacks. I'm Tim Ahmed. Burn on the board. Should have Kevin O'Neill with us as well. We are working our way through our phone issue, and we're going with, uh, what are we doing? We're going Zoom now? Is that what we're doing? That's right. We're using Zoom. First um, time on Stacks and Jacks. Well, that, that's uh, quite a save by young Matt. Huh. Uh, actually, we've had a couple of uh, emails from people that uh, hung through us through the kind of raggedy shows the last couple of days and say that the clarity is actually a lot better, which, uh, I don't know, I guess that's the truth. Better than a cell phone, I suppose, or, or something. Uh, we have to make sure all our, all our creatures can do it. Um, do have some weird news to report. Uh, Kevin, you with us? I believe he's away from the computer. Uh, I, I'm trying to ask him to unmute. Unmute. Okay, we'll have him in a second. Okay. Uh, we, we definitely don't want to mute Kevin, well, at least not most of the time when he gets... You know, sometimes we can mute him. Only can, sometimes. Can I have a, a mute button for the guest? <laughs> in the I, future, yes. I never even thought of that. Uh, now I'm unmuted. There he is. You know, it was a big mute button guy before there was a. Uh, it actually was called a mute button. Was uh, the original Richard Daly? If guys in the in the city council were saying stuff he didn't like, he'd tell the guy to turn off their mic. Yeah, just tell him to cut it. He just cut him off. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if you're as clear as on the phone because you were the clearest on the phone. But we will. This is a work in progress. We'll work our way through this. Um, hey, uh, did you see did you see Russell's picture? No. What did we do with Russell's picture? Uh, Russell evidently was in an auto accident. Mm. He will not be on second hour today. We we're hoping to get Carl. Uh, he's going to, supposed to be going to London like in a week or two, isn't he? That's right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he he looks like he's got the neck brace on his face. It looks like George Foreman used him for sparring practice. He looks he looks terrible. I hope he's all right. Do they make cardigan neck braces? Uh, I was just thinking that he may need one of those. Uh, no, he's he's in. Uh, or at least, or at least get one with you know kind of a cardigan style style design on it, so that he can be a proper professor. Let's put it this way: he if he if uh, I, I haven't seen anybody look that bad. I mean, no massive gashes, but one side of his face is like out about half a foot. It seems. Oh man! I mean, he's one eye is totally shut. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. And uh, anyway, well, tell, tell Russell to tweet that picture out to the uh, Stocks and Jacks listeners. Well, I, I, they, I th- they need to see this. I think you got it. You got the email. You, you're Mr. Email Guy. Well, let me see. Let yeah. me see. Um, I don't know. What's your title? It? Did you just put hay in the title? No, he he sent it to everybody. Oh, okay. Well, let me see what I got from oh, Russell what? while we're yeah. talking. So what, uh, all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. market was down yesterday at the close. It slipped down pretty hard. And last night it was down again and then turned around. I think it might have turned around a little bit on some of these... Uh, uh, Chinese numbers came in better than expected, so I think that helped some. But still, uh, it um, you know I don't I don't know necessarily whether that's the uh, where we're doing the, the the market does not look ha- does not look happy here. Uh, you know, which which every time I say that it turns right around and goes the other way, of course. But 
you know, we'll we'll see. I, uh, I think we're having trouble with some of the numbers, uh, Kevin, the inflation numbers. I can't figure out whether they're just working their way through the system order or whether we still have inflation because I, some areas I see it, some areas I don't. Um, I think some of the auto prices. This, this is this is part of the problem with picking this stuff up. As much as I as I, I don't like to criticize, but as much as I do, I I, don't, I wouldn't want the job that these um, people have because I don't I don't I think it's. I think they're behind the times. I don't think their their methods are too good. But I also think it's hard to do. I mean, uh, for instance, I was mentioning yesterday that uh, poor Audrey was uh, has to get her uh, well has to her her car finally is uh, biting the biting the dust. So she ended up getting a, a new one yesterday, and she was looking around. And uh, I don't think anybody's paying over list anymore. Maybe in a maybe for a couple of cars. I mean, I think that part's. Slid, and I don't, I don't exactly know, Kevin, how you would, <clears throat> if you're doing your CPI number. I have to believe that the only thing they can really go on is list prices. Although I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they can go out and, and cut the deal and then say, "Sorry, I'm just working for the government. I just want to get the price." I mean, maybe you could do that, but I don't see how you could. Or well, they... you, could, you, you could easily survey <laughs> and just say, "What have you sold it for lately?" Um, that would be <clears throat> that would be. Somewhat inventive, but uh, for and, them, and again, they, you know, that's not always um, th- th- that's not always accurate either, because they'll throw in more for a trade in to sweeten the deal, but let you finance more of the car that way, or you know, there's there's lots of different ways that they can manipulate it, but you can figure it out. You can get a pretty good idea. the The thing about cars is anything that's tied to interest rates is going to be coming down now because the interest rates are higher and all anybody cares about is their monthly payment. Well, that's right. And uh, we're out to, we, they are out to 72 months now on like a normal car payment. Wow. That's a... Yeah, I hate to use the word normal for that, but sure, let's go with that. Yeah, it's a, well, but I guess, um, I'm not even sure if I was a CPI, you know, ball hawk, if I went into a dealership, and saw the list price at seventy five, and saw on the bottom because of market conditions, it's now eighty five. I mean, I don't even know you. What would you guess? I mean, uh, different brands have always been different um, in terms of how they handle their list price. Remember when we were Utes? Uh, <clears throat> remember? Uh, For what? You were what? We were, what was Utes. That word? we were Utes. Did you say youths? Uh, remember? Remember Dave Ward? Yeah, sure. Well, Dave, Dave's dad was managing the Volkswagen dealership in Evergreen Park. Uh, it was his summer job, was selling Volkswagens. Yeah, and the uh, but the Volkswagens at the time these were these were bugs. Actually, if you want to go, <clears throat> if you want to get crazy, you got a Carmen Ghia, right? Uh, but the, the, you had the bugs, and that's basically the bugs or the bus or the Carmen Ghia, and well, uh, everything everything was list price. There was no there was no haggling, no nothing. Guys walk in and say you want that, want the blue one. Yeah, it's whatever. They were what nineteen hundred bucks, nineteen fifty for a Volkswagen. And uh, <clears throat> the big upsale was undercoating. The asphalt stuff they would spray on the bottom. And mm-hmm. Dave, Dave was the official undercoater. <laughs> and the undercoating was 75 I saw Fargo. I know about selling add-ons. Yeah. Well, he was uh, he was the official undercoater, and he said that he made, uh, I think he was making f- 3 bucks an hour, and it took him two hours to undercoat a car, and the undercoating cost 6 bucks or something. <laughs> so it was 12 bucks, and they charged 75 and they... They couldn't wait to get somebody to undercoat the car, right? Because <laughs> they, they made as much, I won't say they made as much as they did on the car, but they did pretty well on the undercoating. Well, and, and typically car dealers will make more on 
some of the add-ons like undercoating, different kinds of rust proofing, clear coats, uh, etc. And then and then the financing they make money. So you know you might only make a few hundred bucks for the car, but but by the time you add everything else on, you've doubled that or, or more. Did you ever read uh, Arthur Haley Wheels? No. Um, real good, but it's obviously it's pretty dated now. But um, way back in the day, they Arthur. What was his f- the first one? What was it? Airplane? Oh, did he write airplane? Arthur Haley? Yeah. I don't think so. But Wheels was like the second or third in a where he took on like three different in- industries. Matt, why don't you do us a favor and let with all the other stuff you're doing over there? Sounds uh, good. Check on him and uh, anyway, Arthur they Haley. they had a. Uh, you're right about in those days, you know, the 200 bucks that they would get a kickback from the financer. So some lady was in the office, this is in the book, was in the office and she's driving a hard bargain, driving a hard bargain, and finally the guy says, he's, he gets down to the point where he's making no money on the car whatsoever. The only thing he's making is on the, the $200 financing. And he goes out and comes back. You know how they always leave the room and come back? And he comes back and the lady goes, yeah, I'll take it, but you know what, I'll just write you a check. And <laughs> just screwed the guy out of, out of like anything, and the guy was all pissed off. Uh, but I mean, that, you're right; that that could happen. Um, Here's Arthur Haley uh, wrote Airport in 1968. Yeah, Airport. And Hotel yeah. in 1965. Right, but he also wrote Wheels, I think. Let me check on that Wheels, Wheels, Wheels. I thought he, I thought he did, but maybe not. Somebody else wrote that. Anyway, uh, we we digress. That was him too. Yeah, in 1971. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. See, I remember some of these things. <laughs> the uh, so the market is is. Matter of fact, I sent you a, a, a little blurb uh, the other day, Kevin, about how the the earnings have come out for uh, for Walmart and for Home Depot, and I get, well, Lowe's came out last night, and they said going forward, even though the stock's up a quarter, <coughs> they said the uh, that the uh, you know they they were seeing less people, less tick, you know, less tickets or whatever. But this is from the uh, the bottom line on who these guys are. But anyway, they wrote a article here. I can't find. It's actually made by Tim Mullaney. Uh, it's, a, it's a CNBC guy. He said the top two retailers issues cautious U.S. consumer outlooks for 2023. Um, <coughs> Walmart said the consumer spending would start the year strong but fade. Home Depot expects revenue to be flat this year but bolstered by home equity, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he said basically there's conflicting, even even the, the guys that should have their finger on the pulse of the economy are having conflicting predictions about even the next year, not the next you know five years or anything like that. So when you see the market being kind of skittish, it's really not the market is not acting ignorantly by being skittish, Kevin. I think I think I'm not so sure if you pin me to the wall and said, okay, chief, you criticize everybody else. What do you, what do you think? I'm not so sure I could put a number on this year. Can you? I I think the consumer is in way worse shape than people think that they're in. But I also, in terms of buying power, in terms of wealth, uh, and in terms of any kind of equity, uh, <coughs> which I guess is the same as, as wealth, uh, but I don't know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to show up in the numbers because we still have everything so inflated from the, the bulge in uh, the, money, the money supply and inflation. So I don't know how you're ever going to corral the numbers back down to, to follow up on my CPI number. I don't know that you ever picked up the fact that the car that listed for 75 was actually trading at 90 i don't know if you if you know that it's back to 75 and i don't i don't know if it's 75 let me ask you this kevin what do you do now if, if you drive in on a jalopy that's underwater matt do you have anything even any idea what i'm talking about when i said that 
underwater from a financing standpoint, or yeah. underwater because it got uh, got caught in a flood? Well, uh, from a financing standpoint. Well, uh, what are you going to do? Well, you, there isn't much you can do if, if, unless you don't need transportation. Um, because, uh, or are you talking about as a trade-in? Yeah, what I'm saying is, is normally, actually we've had a couple emails along because I mentioned this once before a few years ago, and I got a bunch of emails saying, um, Chief, what are you talking about? First, first the question was, why, why is list price of a car higher than most people pay for it? And I, and I would write back, well, the reason for that is when people come in with a car that, is worth five grand, but they owe six, and the car they're buying is list price is forty, and the normal price you would get it for might be thirty six. All they do is make it thirty seven, and you're good to go, right? Because yes. then, then they'll pay up. So there's essentially room. I mean, basically, they're they're gonna they're gonna roll what you owe into the price into the next uh, into the financing for the next car. Right. Well, how do you do that if you're if you're paying list or paying above list? I guess you could just pay above list, but I, but still that's. Most people would somewhat balk at that, I would think. They wouldn't realize well, it. You would, you would think the lender who is, uh, allegedly has uh, collateral, you know, has, has the vehicle as collateral, would balk at that. Um, but, you know, lenders aren't always rational people, and they aren't always, uh, um, you know, they, they don't always make smart decisions. Well, that was a... In so many times. Well, I'm, I was, I've been kind of asking this question, and I was hoping one of the Listeners would either uh, tweet in or whatever we do now, email in, because I guess we can't call in until we get this thing fixed. Uh, I guess my question always was, Kevin. I mean, I, the worst, the worst abuse I've saw this, which you know, probably were worse, was this dude who works at me in NFO, uh, Allen, and uh, so he was. Uh, there was a, what's the big honking Toyota? <clears throat> the uh, this, the Sequoia. It's even bigger than the Land Cruiser. I mean, the, the big, huge thing. It's as big as a suburban. Um, they don't really sell too many. And uh, evidently, the ones they do sell usually are out in Rocky Mountains or someplace. Well, he sees one in the showroom in Virginia, and he goes in, and he, the list is seventy-eight, and it says on the bottom, due to market conditions, conditions like plus twenty. He's like, "Whoa!" So my question to you or anybody is, if I pay, if I get, can I get a loan for ninety-eight for this thing? And if I if I drive it out of the building and some concrete truck decides to run into me, does the insurance company give me ninety-eight or seventy-eight? Or less. I mean, I, I have no idea. This company is going to give you the value of the car, which is what I just paid ninety eight for is, it a half hour is, ago. Which isn't what you paid for it. Okay. All right. So they're going to give me seventy eight minus the fact that it's no longer new anymore. So I just took a thirty thousand dollar hit on my first day on this thing. Well, I'll, I'll steal from Carl, who uh, actually he didn't he didn't make it up either, but I'll, I'll steal from him anyway because he likes to say it. It's uh, do stupid things, win stupid prizes. Um, um, go ahead and do that kind of a financing arrangement and see what you get out of it. And then, so, so, so that means these guys send me a check for 68 and the, and the bank says to me, hey, buddy, where's your 30? <laughs> oops. Uh, oops. Much, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, and, and so the bank is going to uh, take the collateral, which is worthless, and... Um, and, uh, and and it's going to have to write down the loan, and we haven't even begun to see that in the economy yet. So, no, let's give that a little time. Yeah, I know. I, uh, but I mean, I just I guess this is not necessarily a lesson in uh, in auto in auto purchasing. At least I didn't intend that way. What started out, Kevin, was a uh, just an example in just one little spot. Well, autos, I guess, aren't a little spot, 
one little spot of how difficult it is even to keep track of the CPI. Because really, I mean, because I mean, we just we're talking about the last three years, and what's the number you put in the CPI? I mean, I wouldn't even know unless I actually was bought the damn thing, and then I would say, okay, the Toyotas are twenty grand more, but I, I, I'm assuming Volkswagens. You know, what what is by the way? What's what's in the Volkswagens these days? The only places that are full of cars are Volkswagens. Doesn't anybody like Volkswagens anymore? I mean, they're, they're, they're oh, but, well, you know which ones. Do, do they? I, I, you know, not being a car guy, uh, do they still have a Jetta? Oh boy, I don't know. I'm just saying when you when in the midst of the COVID, you drive down 159th Street, which is you know car row now. Uh, everybody had like no cars, trying to make it look like they had cars in the lots. Uh, you know, the Chevy deal, the Ford deal, the Toyota deal, and then you get to the Volkswagen guy, and he was jammed. He had 200 cars. BMW too. I don't. I don't think people were buying BMWs either. I mean, I'm just this is just one person looking at lots. I mean, this is not looking at sales statistics, but. Mm. Evidently, they're not as popular as maybe they were. What was the one where they brought the thing over here and they had the bad diesel? And they did they end up selling those things or what? Remember the, the diesel that had the bad uh, EPA stuff? Yeah, don't, I vaguely remember something about it, but no, I don't remember the specifics. Yeah, I don't know if they had to send all those back or whatever happened to those things. But anyway, uh, S and P futures now nine fifty. Nasdaq is up forty seven. Like I said we were down last night and we're trying to make a run for the upside here. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. We have S&P futures up 950 now. We've got NASDAQ futures up 47. And we have the, uh, I'm looking here at the, uh, we've got Couple in, a couple of earnings. We got Kohl's uh, down 254, as they say uh, sales were light. Everybody's saying sales sales are light. I mean, as a matter of fact, Rivian. Same thing happened to Rivian last night. Rivian was. Uh, let me get uh, Rivian up here. You know, the current get the latest here, Matt. The latest. Uh, Rivian's down on uh, 169 to <clears throat> 1761. This is after running up to 1950 yesterday during the day. We have the uh, rest of the market here. We'll go around the world. I'm looking at this Home Depot number. All kinds of stuff going on here at the break. Reading all these articles, man. Uh, Dow futures down 55 over in Europe. We've got the uh, DAX up 96.6 percent. Puts you up 72.9. Got around up 9, uh, 54.7. So bullish over in Europe. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 71. So it's a little bit of a move. Up 0.2 percent. Hang Seng up 833. Back over 20,000. Four percent move in the Hang, Hang Seng. Wow, that's uh, incredible. Shanghai up 32. That's a full one percent. As China factory activity reading its highest level since 2012. So that's what uh, turned the uh, market around last night. I, I can't believe that their reading is that high, seeing as they lost so many people. Um, and I don't see how they get back that fast. But then again, Chinese numbers have always, always been sort of a weird thing. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 232. It's all happened late in the afternoon. S&P down 12, NASDAQ down 11. So we've, we've essentially came back from that already. Here We stay here. Bonds up two basis points, 3.94. The Bund up five basis points, 2.69. Japan right at 0.50. Uh, we've got oil uh, down 53 cents, 76.52. Brent down 33 cents, 83.12. Natural gas up a penny, 275. We've got gold up 7.90, 18.44. Back in the middle of the 1800s, so it's it's bounced back here pretty good. Uh, silver up 11 cents, 21.18. Copper up six cents, 4.15. 
We've got uh, Bitcoin up 459, back in the middle 23s, 23,746. So that thing has been stable. I think a lot of the fears for Bitcoin holders have kind of uh, dissipated here a little bit, at least for a while. And the U.S. dollar we should be anticipating is down with the gold and everything else up, and sure enough it is. The euro has moved a full percent, up 103 to 1067. That's a big move. 1% move in a currency in a day is a big move. Uh, British pound, not so much, up 0.4%, but back up to almost 121. So uh, the, the strength in the dollar in the last couple of weeks has been dissipating here in the last couple of days. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Uh, currently 6.37 a.m. on March 1st, 2023. Uh, light traffic overall in Chicago, but look at the weather. And this morning in Chicago, mostly clear skies. Right now, 36 degrees, a high of 56 later on. Sunny skies throughout the day. Tomorrow, cloudy skies. Rain on Friday. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies. 50 degrees currently, a high of 60 later on. Tomorrow, cloudy and on Friday, the start of sunny skies, which will continue throughout the weekend. Yesterday in the NBA, Bulls played Raptors and lost 98-104. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the NHL, Blackhawks lost last night in a game against the Coyotes. Final score was 4-1. In men's college basketball uh, tonight, Chicago State versus Gonzaga. Uh, game starts at 8 p.m. So I got an outsheet back to you. The, uh... Yeah, so Kevin, we've got the retail side is, is showing a little bit negative here, and and, uh, and what's going on in the world. The uh, uh, I, I I don't think I honestly think that the uh, things are a lot worse than people say. And I, and I but again, I really hope I'm wrong on that. So, what is your? I mean, are you guys in terms of the the business of schooling? And I don't really want to, don't speak out of school, but what what does enrollment stuff look like for you guys? Is there can you guys can you Put it this way: Are you guys a? Would you say you're cyclical or counter-cyclical? If things get better, we are counter-cyclical. We are absolutely counter-cyclical. Okay. Um, when when things are really good, especially if you're in manufacturing and warehousing area like we are, um, when things are really good, people don't have time for school. They're working sixty hours, fifty-five, sixty hours. Um, so uh, so they they don't have any time at all. Um, on but. Uh, um, you know, when when things are bad, then people start saying, "Well, I better acquire some new skills here," and we see them. And uh, yeah, we are seeing enrollment uh, spike up some. Um, okay, so so would you say now? Do you, do you is that does that go go the same way as like the Indiana University or Purdue? Or well, you guys? That, that would be a uh, Russell question, but I tend to think not to the same degree. Um, because we have a lot of part-time students. You know, I mean, our, my, my student demographic is that they all have two or three of school, work, and family. Um, and, and a really large percentage of them have all three. Um, and that's, that's not Purdue. That's not, uh, you know, Notre Dame. It's not Indiana. Uh, it's not any of those schools. Almost, almost all of their students are full-time students, uh, and and tend to be younger. Now, in the graduate school, they may have uh, you know older working people who have the uh, you know families and and jobs and so on. But in their undergraduate world, which is you know I'm I'm teaching undergraduates, so I'm, I'm teaching the first two years of their curriculum basically, um, and in that world. Uh, you know, we we tend to be a little older. Not all older. We get some right out of high school. We get some that are, uh, uh, you know, that haven't been in school in 20 years. Uh, but uh, uh, 
you know, it, it's a it's a different demographic, and so we are not going to be the same uh, patterns as you see at uh, at the uh, major major schools. What um, so I mean, it is I guess it is somewhat difficult. I know I I, I always contrast, not contrast, but I, I I try and put together what you're doing with what my nephew is seeing in his business when they, uh, you know, when they're because they're, they're they've got a lot of business, although it's not as crazy as it was last year they're 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 busy like they want to be they're very busy but they're not you know <clears throat> breakout stuff where they're, they're busy and somebody walks in and says i need this in four days and then you'll turn around and say look every machine's already working what, what do you want me to do they're not it's it's come back to i'd say a very nice level they're a little panicky but not crazy um which is which is always good um but i don't know that since well it's a little kind of an odd story because the guy who r- runs a place is having some health issues but so he's had to kind of cover up a little bit uh, not cover up but to move up and do some stuff they didn't do before you gotta fill the void yeah you gotta fill the void and I, you know, I'm not sure that now would be the absolute time for those guys to go to school I mean if it was two nights a week I guess they could do it but if it's five or a Saturday I don't know that they could but all yeah, the time it, it is hard this is you know it, it, you can't it's it, you can't imagine the respect I have for the students that uh, that are doing all three, and then I even have some because I'm I'm the faculty advisor to a uh, um, a leadership society, our our, uh, our campus's chapter of a leadership society, and in that case, um, they're doing more. They're attending speaker broadcasts and success teams and and attending orientation and leadership training and all, and they're doing that and they're piling that on top of everything else they do. These are really, really motivated people, and, well, and it's really, it's really, really cool to work with them. What uh, is it? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to wander off into the politically incorrect here, but could you put a a face on, on somebody, or is, it, or is it all walks of life, all religions, all colors, all everything? Well, it, it is, except that um, I, I would tell you, I, I think it's, I think our number is like fifty-four percent of our students are. Um, uh, Pell Grant eligible, which means that, you know Pell Grants are tied to where you are versus the poverty line. Uh, so we get a lot, we get a lot of students there. South Bend um, uh, demographic is probably heavy. I don't know specifically the numbers. Probably heavily more heavily skewed to African American, uh, white, and and then Hispanic. Whereas in Elkhart, it's very Elkhart County, it's very heavily Hispanic. Um, you know, I, I went through, and uh, I, I think um, my uh, uh, my business classes in the fall. Uh, you know, with twelve people in there, I probably had one white, one African American, every uh, African American, everybody else of some Hispanic origin or another. The uh... and, and all and generally first generation students, uh, first generation college students. And generally, uh, and and what's really cool, and this is especially true, but not not exclusively true, um, that for Hispanics as first generation co- uh, college students, it's a family affair. This is a big deal to the whole family, and uh, um, and to whenever there's an opportunity for somebody to get involved, like an event or something like that, they'll bring out the family, which is which is great because that's a great support system for someone who wants to uh, graduate. Um, I would say you're right on that. Hey, did you see the thing I sent out last week? But well, of course now I can't find. 
I think one of the listeners might have sent it to me. Uh, we'll, we'll quiz me who the average American is. If you take every every average thing that like in the census and you just you know the the, the uh, I won't say the multiples, but I guess for lack of a better term, it's it's whatever the well, I guess it's it, you take the average of every single something about a person and, and who that person looks like. You see that, Kevin? I sent it to you. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't remember the details of it now, but I did read it at the time. Uh, Matt, it's a yeah. female mm-hmm. uh, from California. Okay. She's uh, thirty-two years old. She has one kid. Okay. She works in the medical profession. She's five four. I forget the. I didn't, they didn't put a weight in. Mean, she's five four. She has dark hair. Five hundred pounds. Uh, no, she's not five hundred. <laughs> and uh, she's Caucasian. That's the. That is the. If you, if you take everything, I guess there's a, there's a few more women than guys. Hmm. There's more people, I guess, at the 31 to 35 age group than any other age group or something. Well, say she sounds like a very eligible bachelorette. Didn't say she wasn't married. Oh, well, you yeah. Never know. D- d- you know Tom, Tom, do you remember the question I asked? Was she hot? Was she hot? <laughs> <laughs> I said, so then, of course, me, I said, doesn't ever remember the song? You know, Reese Girls, Girls, uh, whatever. And, uh, Midwest farmers' daughters keep their bar- boyfriends warm and I mean, nobody can hold a candle. California girls, kind of thing. Uh, they all could be California. Yeah, girls. we all could be California girls, and and uh, so of course everybody writes back. Ah, we don't like California. What a great group we have. <laughs> ah, we don't like those California. Girls. Oh, I, I, I gave you back the uh, you know the Ken Kesey quote about the most beautiful women in the world are in Des Moines. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. What was what was the final on that one? The. Uh, um, well, the, the finalist that everybody I know from Iowa says yes. Oh, God. Well, it's, <laughs> they, they better, eh? Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and of course, you know, for the Iowans, the, the first quote I always get out of people from Iowa is, just don't forget, you know, when in, in Field of Dreams, you know, is, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. God. Well, the, uh, there's been some nasty ones, though. Was, why, did, why did the, uh, oh, God, why, why, did, why did the University of Iowa go to uh, artificial grass? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, deliver uh, the line. Was, would matter with something like to keep the keep the uh, the cheerleaders from grazing or something? Oh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> anyway, it was back in uh, the hey, as long as as long as we're in you know sort of venturing towards that sports world, I, I do want to mention something that you guys discussed yesterday, and I think it's worth em- embellishing a little bit uh, because when you were talking to Joel about Michigan basketball. And 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 mention that well, there's sh- they sh- must they got to be considered one of the top 64 teams in the country, and you may be very may very well be right there, but that's not the number that you need to make the uh, uh, NCAA tournament, um, because there are all kinds of conferences like the Southland Conference and the Colonial Athletic Association and so on that get an automatic bid, so the highest seed that anybody from a major, any at-large team from a major conference ever gets is a 12. That, you know, that, uh, so, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 are reserved for all of those one-bid conferences. And those, in, in those conferences, they send one champion. If some team with a losing record goes on a run and wins the conference tournament, they get the one bid and nobody else from that conference gets to go. But that that shaves off that many, so you're really talking about the top 48. Now, once you get into the top 48, now you start saying, okay, these some of these conference tournaments matter. So, for example, um, a few years ago, Notre Dame was in line to be the last team in. I mean, they, they 
you know, that was the, it was the year Bonzi Colson was a senior and he was their best player. He got hurt. They uh, they only won three out of nine while he was out, and so they they were right on the bubble. But they were the last team in, according to the uh, guy who ran the selection committee, and and then the Atlantic Ten. Uh, which is, um, you know, historically was, I think at the time, still had Xavier, but, uh, but it was Davidson, St. Bonaventure, Rhode Island, you know, some pretty good level programs. They were going to get two. St. Bonaventure was going to get in, and, uh, and Rhode Island was going to get in, and then Davidson won the conference tournament. They still took Rhode Island and St. Bonaventure, and Davidson grabbed Notre Dame's spot. So if you if Michigan really wants to be comfortable, because there's going to be several of those kinds of upsets as well, Michigan really needs to be best forty, and I'm not sure they are. Well, I, what I what I would what I would do. Uh, Could that be the the, the holy uh, 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 dial tone I hear? Yeah. Well, that's quite odd. Yeah. Check into that. The uh, you were still with us, Kevin. Yeah, I'm still with you. Uh, yeah, because you're not on the dial tone thing. I, what I would do, Kevin, and, you know, I, since they don't there doesn't seem to be any limit to this stuff. I mean, we're gonna end up having a, you know, 50 schools in a, in a football playoff one of these years, and it won't end until Easter. But uh, I would, you know, I, I would say that they should have probably seven or eight playoff games for like the 12 seats. Because these teams, well, they have, have a few. I know they yeah. have. Well, they have they two. Have they have those, two. Those, those first four games. They have two. Two for the sixty-four spot no, and two they for have four. They actually have four. I know, but two is for the the last man in. It's for the sixty-four spot, and two are for the, like the twelve spot. There's two and two. Two or two are for the the two like really the really. Securities is calling me. What? Security. Securities calling you. Ah, there we have. You have phone service again. I just hung up. Matt just tried bringing my phone just to see it. Yeah, we have phone service again. We found out that when you plug it in, it works a lot better. Always, always. Um, You may may want to stick with Zoom anyway if it sounds good. We're actually about about to just lose the Zoom room, so uh, if you can move the phone. Yeah, you might have to move the phone because we haven't bought the Zoom yet, so we're going to buy it today. So So you've got to shift shift to the phone. Okay, I'll do that right now. The. uh, and then you can you can talk about uh, basketball for the moment. Yeah, I, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, there's a couple of play-in games. So there's a there's two playoff games for the essentially the 16th seed, the two like you know world's smallest conferences and so forth. Play play for those, and then they immediately once they get in there, uh, then they get clobbered by the number one team. Except I guess one number one team lost last year, some first me? time ever. The uh, that's amazing. We have, we we were not. So we were. Uh, I don't know. We, let me know when we have Kevin. But now they have a couple of the teams that are playing in. They're actually playing in for like the 12th spot, which is sort of odd. But I, I look at the uh, Kevin. I, I said there, there's yeah, uh, two teams. There's two games that play in for the 16th seeds. They must be the two, the four like lousiest conferences or something. Then they get their ass. No, no, no. They, oh, oh, yeah, they do. They have a couple that play in for those, and then they have a couple more. That play in for 11s or 12s. Right. So what I'm saying is, I I don't know that. Uh, I, I watched the Big Ten this year, and you look at, I mean, uh, obviously Purdue is, is the chalk, as they would say in racehorses. But I'm not so sure how you really pick between the Big Ten. To me, is they're all teams are pretty good. Matter of fact, some of them I think are really good, but they've just chopped each other up. I mean, I don't see how you pick between 
Michigan State, Michigan, Indiana is probably a little better, uh, Illinois, even Penn State. I mean, there's there's about six of them there that if they all played a play play in game to get into the number twelve spot, I'm sure other conferences have teams just like that. North Carolina is the same way. I mean, they're, they're, they probably aren't going to get in unless they win the tournament. Yet, does anybody really want to play North Carolina? I mean, it, I mean, I you know, North Carolina, Indiana, and, and that's the problem with underachievers and and the tur- and tournaments, um, because that's really Michigan's problem is they're they're an underachieving team given their talent. North Carolina is an underachieving team, oh, an underachieving team with a lot of talent and have its day. I mean, you saw that with Notre Dame playing Michigan State earlier in the season. Yeah. They looked like the best team ever for one day, but, you know, over the course of the season, they suck. Yeah, well, it, that's true. And, uh, well, they've, they've, I have a feeling that uh, uh, that they've somewhat grown apart, but this, we, we've talked about that before. But I'm saying, I, I, at this point, I don't see what the difference is to not have uh, – there's, there's, there's four 12 seeds and there's four 13 seeds – I don't, and those, all those teams kind of belong sort of in there. I don't see what the problem is to having uh, eight eight playing games on a Monday night and taking sixteen more teams, or I guess it would be twelve more teams. What's the difference? You got two going now. You might as well have eight. Well, not much, and that's been the argument for just you know doing either something that you've seen in some states in high school where just everybody gets in and they seed the whole thing. Because it only adds a few more rounds, you know, the way, the way the math works out, or even expanding it to 128. Well, you know, I, I don't know, I don't care. I usually don't watch much of those Tuesday night games, Tuesday Wednesday games, anyway. Um, but uh, I, 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 I do think, um, you know, in my world, what I would do with some of those conference tournaments is I would tell, I, I would just look at, every, I'd see, I basically I'd pick the field before conference tournaments. Well, that, so that. here's here's what the field is, and uh, and now if you want to send somebody else who isn't in the field as your conference champion, we're bumping somebody from your conference out. Well, that's true. Plus, it would make kind of no sense to have you know Indiana and or Michigan State play Michigan or Illinois on Saturday and then play again on Tuesday. I mean, you'd have to kind of spread it around, but. I say, what's, well, what's there's, the, there's, a, uh, there's a perverse incentive involved yeah. too, and and that is that let's just say uh, let's just say it's Michigan, and there or, or you know who, who would be a, I'm I'm trying to think of who would be a better example still, uh, you know they pick somebody a little farther down the Big Ten, Illinois uh, probably. Would, I, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm thinking um, Wisconsin. Oh shoot, uh, you know is Rutgers bad? I don't know. I, I no, actually Rutgers is pretty good. They're not bad. Um. I'm, I'm just trying to think of it. Uh, take Penn State. Penn State's not going to the tournament. Um, so what What if Penn State gets hot and wins a couple of games, and now they get to the championship game? It is in the opponent's best interest to lose that game, financially speaking, because one more team from the conference is going to get in. Nobody's going to get knocked out, and, uh, and, the, uh, and the conference is going to get more uh, tournament participation money. So there's actually a perverse incentive built in there that I don't know that anybody has ever thrown a game like that, but you know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just thought make that there, and you don't, and you and you would never want to engineer it like that. But once once the camel's nose is under the tent, uh, if you if you use that, if you can have two number twelve playoff games or thirteen, whatever it is, on a on a Monday night or Tuesday night, actually it's Tuesday and Wednesday, right? 
I mean, who gives a crap whether whether you have four, Kevin? I mean, what's the difference? I mean, it, I mean, you might as well. And those games, they're going to be schools that. I mean, if, if Illinois played uh, somebody in the Big East, I have a feeling that 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 dog hunts on TV. So certainly for Illinois fans and other people. That's yeah. who it hunts for. It, it hunts for the Illinois fans and, and well, the, people the, people know, watch Hayden or somebody like that's fans. It doesn't hunt for anybody. Well, but people, but people, other people. I mean, the the NCAA is convinced that the, you know, the eight nine seed game is a, is a big game on TV. This would be just about as good. The teams are as good. I don't know. I'm just saying that well, you, might, you might as well be instead of this, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth over the bubble. You, you could easily have four more teams or eight. Uh, the bubble's part of the excitement, though. That's part of the excitement of the end of the season. Um, and uh, and so the, you know they they sell that too, and and then on top of it, you know, the, you know my my sympathies are. are very, very measured for those last teams because, you know what, if you don't want to be on the bubble, just win more games. Well, I, I think there's... And a in, in many cases, those bubble teams, those major conference bubble teams, when you're saying, well, they're really good enough, you know what, it's they, they've underachieved. It's well, that could be. Also, when you have uh, the amount of transfer you have running around, it takes teams a little while to gel. And also... If somebody has an injury, when I mean, you mentioned the Bonzi Colson thing, I mean, if he'd have been out for twelve games and came back, and the Irish would have swept the final six, it's and everybody knows they belong in there today. You know, uh, I mean, what if you know what if this kid on Purdue would have well, been? They, they actually do allow for injuries plus and minus. Um, so if you lose somebody, for instance, um, you know the Notre Dame women lost their best player in the last game, and I don't know if she's coming back or not. You know, and uh, and and. That, that may affect their seeding in the tournament. They probably won't fall below, uh, you know, a, a number four seed, so they'll get the host on the opening weekend. But they could. They could look at them and say, well, they're not the same team without Olivia Miles, so um, so we're going to make them a five seed. And uh, and now they don't get to host. In, in the women's tournament, the, uh, uh, the, first, the first two rounds are hosted at team sites. How many people are in the women's tournament? It's 64. Well, if I you don't think I don't know that they have a play-in like the men do. Well, if you rank, if you rank, if you rank tenth, I'd say a, a fifth seed is pretty awful. Well, it, because because the rankings are stupid, and that's not what they use. The rankings are people's are like sports writers' opinions. Now, yeah, they're ranked tenth. You know, they could they could be ranked higher, they could be ranked lower. Not really the point. They use different metrics for the uh, uh, for tournament selection and tournament seeding. Um, and a lot of that is statistical. There are things like how many, you know, quad ones against, you know, quadrant one, two, three, four. Where 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 are the teams ranked that you've beaten? Um, and then uh, uh, how tough was your schedule? And they have some, you know, RPI style rankings where uh, you know that that factors in strength of schedule. How whether you've won on the road versus at home. All of those are factors in. And the sports writers who vote are not, you know. They get a lot of it right, but not all of it. You know, they're, they're, a lot of it, a lot of the voting is just pretty stupid. What? Uh, it's a good thing we only got like a minute left because you're turning into Matty Weber in front of my very eyes. That the statistics are better than the people. Just saying. No, not necessarily, but you have to have some basis to smooth it out because it's not like everybody's playing the same schedule. You know, if, if, when you're when you're looking at something like a, a baseball division. Well, everybody in the same division is pretty much playing the same schedule. So you have you, your one-loss record is everything, you know, that, that we look at. But 
you know, you can have, you can uh, you can play a really really weak conference non-conference. Oh, I, I, I get that. Up your record. Um, well, or certainly. you can play uh, a really strong non-conference schedule, and it might you know it might give you some hits. Or you um, could be so like football, for example. In in women's is notorious for playing anybody anywhere. They played at Tennessee. Mm. They played South Carolina, who's you know clearly, in my opinion, the best team in the country. Um, and uh, and they've gone out, out west. You know they they seek out everybody, and that uh, you know so when they get a few losses, you know so what? They're still going to be a higher seed. And, and I think that's that's a reasonable approach. It isn't all about statistics. There's certainly a qualitative a- aspect to it, but I, I, I think those will help you inform when you cannot in, uh, in any other way compare two teams because they play uh, different schedules. The uh, um, well, sometimes though in football that sounds great, but at the end of the day, if you got more than one loss, if you play one good team. It helps a little bit, Kevin, but if you have two losses because you played six good teams, you're still out. I mean, it, it, it yeah, I, I think I, I think football. You know, the the way they do football now, they they have a problem with that because they overvalue the one loss record. Yeah, I actually do too. Um, I mean. they, you know, I I, I, I I I've always thought that, and that's a real problem because it it does not allow very well for strength of schedule. Um, so well, they also have a timing thing to it. Like the Notre Dame's going to open up with Ohio State again this year, right? I think they are playing in South Bend. Yeah, I think they have Mer- they have Murley at least. So so that that game, if it's the first game of twelve, whoever loses can come back from it. If you did it the last weekend of the year, I don't. You really can't, right? It's, it's much harder. Yep, it's way harder. So all right, bud. Well, uh, we'll talk to you on on Friday. Now that we got everything working again, and uh, uh, our, our uh, boy, I sure hope that Russell is. Oh, if you go by Zoom, then uh, maybe we'll have. Uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll just go that route the whole time. Well, we we could do. Uh, we'll have to look at the quality thing because I think the quality might be a little bit better on the Zoom. But we'll have to. Matt's our man. He's going to figure all this stuff out. Yeah, we'll look into it. We'll look, we'll look into <laughs> he, Matt could be a politician. Oh, by the uh, way. If, if, you have, if you call coming on, see if you can get him uh, do, you know, one of each with him, and uh, I'll, I'll listen. I'll give you an opinion on it. Well, you know, get a load of this. I, I, I hate to be a black cat. You know, sometimes you just. So last night, uh, there's nothing going on. I figured, hell, hell I don't want to cook. I'm gonna, I went to Tripoli, and I watched the Bulls, and I can watch Marquette at the same time because they got the two TVs. Uh, so they're up to number six now, Marquette, by the way. And uh, yep. and then they won again last night, pretty handily. So you got to see him. So guess guess who? It's uh, one of my friends in the neighborhood, Wendy Nations Graham, who's running for alder person. And uh, there's a bunch of people running, so I went down the block and I voted uh, for her. And <laughs> and so I mean, there, was, there couldn't have been, there was like one other person in the, in the polls. There's nobody there. I a lot of people voted by mail, and then I don't think many people showed up yesterday, but. Anyhow, so they had the the little what do you want to call it the the party thing is at the Tripoli right because that's kind of where they hang, and uh, so they all come in and uh, everybody's wondering what the numbers are. So I'm staring and watching the TV, and they've got the numbers on Channel Nine coming in next to the Bulls game. So I, I look and I I said she comes over to say hello, and I said Wendy, it looks like uh, do you guys know what the numbers are? And she goes, well, no, not yet. And I said, well, look, Forty Third Ward's coming up here. She's standing right next. To me, all of a sudden, she's in fourth. And I'm like, oops. <laughs> did I, did I, I guess yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the buzz. Kill. Sorry, sorry, sorry for the buzz. Yeah, kill. We didn't even mention Lori getting voted out. Oh, she got. Uh, yeah. We'll leave that for Friday. Well, you know what? On Friday, I uh, I was looking at some of this, and I am I am stunned that the Chicago Teachers Union's put up so much money for this guy. I don't I don't see how the hell they don't get sued by their by their rank and file. I mean, I 
well, I'll have the numbers by then, but it's they essentially financed a guy on their payrolls campaign for mayor. And then, I mean, it's I. And the weird part is, Vallis is not considered a big friend of the union, so this 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 runoff is going to essentially be, uh, you know, a, 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 we'll talk about this on Friday. We got a crowd coming in in a second. SP Futures up six now only. Nasdaq Futures up twenty eight. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. I'm a big fan of money. I like Hello, Rock Bags, Stacks, and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe, Matt Burn on the board. How come you played this uh, song for Carl? You know, actually, you know actually why I'm playing it. Today is the 50th anniversary of the Dark Side of the Moon. Really? Yeah. So it's a pretty, a pretty exciting This is, uh, I have the album, and I forgot who the hell it is. Pink Floyd. Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd, yeah. I, I have the album. I haven't played it since a guy named Long. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, we haven't, I haven't played it in so many years. Yeah, I'm not even sure the turntable even moves. Oh, so. man. Oh, uh, man. Uh, you know, that was... When, when CDs first showed up, there used to be this company called Mobile Fidelity Soundwave. I don't know if they're still around or not. They, they did a bunch of remixes because the original uh, guys tried to transfer what they knew about mixing for vinyl to digital and they didn't know that Buff from the hole on the ground because the two are completely different media and behave differently mm. so Mobile Fidelity came around and reissued a bunch of stuff with the mixes done reasonably well as opposed to ridiculously compressed and overemphasized on the top end and all this other nonsense mm. and one of the first ones they did was that album really? oh wow yeah. yep and it was and that was the one of the first CDs I bought when I, and I had a little Sony dockable player that was portable that I could stick in the car and and use a cassette adapter, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it plugged into the dock in order to be able to be used at the house. Were you a uh, musical file kind of guy? Oh, God, I had, <laughs> I had a huge vinyl collection which ended up gone at one point. <laughs> and now, you know, I, I don't... There's, there's, I haven't gotten back to vinyl. I know a lot of people have. You know, they've, they've gone back to the. To the but there's, if you're if you're in a house that is not slab on grade, there's issues with isolation. You know, you get up and you bounce around in the room, and the you know the needle skips, right? So there's issues with that in terms of where you put the equipment, things like that, and those are always bad. Then of course, uh, you know, with, with digital, it's a non-event. Uh, but I've ripped everything that I have to lossless because now disk storage and such is so cheap. And I, I actually have a sound state live up under the glove box in my car. Really? Yeah, so I have my entire music collection in my car in lossless audio, not MP3s. And uh, I, I can drive you know across the country four or five times and never hear the same song twice. Well, that's uh, we have a couple of uh, friends of the show. Um, matter of fact, one uh, when Kathy uh, uh, Durbin used to uh, help us out, and she was working so much, how many bazillion hours of COVID for the bank that she unfortunately had to stop helping us. But she would get all these um, real interesting guests. It's amazing how you you learn about people you know for a long time, <laughs> stuff you don't even know about them. Carol, so so she has one of her friends, uh, her sister, and one of her buddies come in the show one day, and they're here for Lollapalooza for the weekend. I mean, they're, 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 they're sun up to sundown all three days, right? I mean, they're ser- right. seriously into music. They come in and, I mean, uh, terrific ladies, fun to be with. And I, I didn't realize till later that the one lady, all she did was talk music, was actually the attorney wife of the guy we had on, the guy, the attorney we had on, who was the defense attorney for the people down in Guantanamo. Oh, wow. And, uh... He was he was one of the most. We have to find that and replay that. That was one of the most incredible interviews I ever did, Carl. Other than with you, but uh, and how they would they all get in a seven thirty seven. The judges, the attorneys, and everybody, like once every two months in Washington, fly down to Guantanamo, have all the court stuff going down there. And uh, the first couple times he went, like there was no bar, <laughs> and and there wasn't even any place like sort of air conditioned. Well, after a while, they they got a bunch of those old uh, shipping containers. Like made, okay. they made little apartments out of them with an air conditioner, and so at least it was somewhat habitable. 
Plus, there was well, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny how uh, mood tends to find a way to get filled, right? Well, plus the bar helped out because the bar was your yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it did, yeah. But uh, it got to the last time he went. I don't. I don't think he's there anymore. I haven't talked to Kathy in a while. But the last time, the reason why he was chosen, <laughs> chosen, picked, volunteered, however you want to put it, is he actually had he had uh, assisted on a couple of death penalty cases in Virginia. And this is this is like, as my uncle used to say, you know, you shouldn't have sex until you had sex before. I mean, well, it's kind of hard to do that. But you 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 can't essentially work on a capital punishment case unless you've done it before. Okay. So, because he had assisted on one or two, that that qualifies. So he and that gave him enough. Yeah, he yeah. had the he had the chops. Yeah, he had the chops. So, so he was a defense guy. And the last time he was on, Carl, you know, I remember most of it because I remember stuff like this. He was saying, "Yeah, it's it's really crazy. They were down to, you know, my numbers could be off. It's not, we're down to like forty five people that are in the place." And I said, right. well, And I go, "Well, what's?" He said, "Well, there's like ten or eleven that we actually think." Did some really bad stuff, and and probably uh, should be tried, and maybe even their capital offenses. And uh, he said, but nobody wants to bring him here for trial, so they're just hanging down there. There's another fifteen or twenty that might be guilty of something. Then there's like fifteen people that we absolutely know are stone cold innocent. They just happen to be on the wrong block. Oh man! And I said, well, what? Hey, what's the deal with that? And he goes, well, the, the places they're from are in total disarray, civil war and everything. They don't even have a town to go back to where their family's all dead, and nobody wants them here. No matter what, you, you could have picked a janitor up in a building over there. No, the guy has never even had a traffic ticket, and the politics are you can't you can't let him come in the U.S. because he's been in Guantanamo. He must be a terrorist. Well, you can't let him come in the U.S., and you also can't deport him because yeah. the host nation won't take him back. Right. Well, plus there's no place to go. It might even not even be the same right. government. So I said, well... What do they do? Do they they work around the place and gets paid? He goes, no, they're in their cell. There's no other place for them. I said, I, I said, do they lock it? He goes, yeah. I go, what, what, what are they doing there? He goes, they, they probably lock it to protect them from the other guys. I'm like, I, can't, I can't even I can't imagine in America that happening, Carl. I mean, I just I just can't. You know, there's so many there's so many things like that in in our nation's history. That yeah, this is just the latest instance of it, I guess. But it's. I, it, it, this is not really a new thing, but you, you know, you think about it. It's like the, the, the you know, piece I did on Ukraine the other day, and, and I pointed out that uh, the CIA has been responsible for toppling about fifty governments. Oh yeah, they're good at that. And yeah, they're, they're, this is this is kind of like a sport among the spook, the spookworks guys. But you're not, they're not real good at making sure that the new government's any better, or even that the new government... Well, well, well but this, this leads to the obvious question. By what right does the United States have to make that sort of decision to begin with? Okay. Uh, but, but then, once you get past that threshold question, which, you know, of course, uh, ours seems to be, well, we have a lot of money and we have a lot of guns, and therefore, you know, we're going to do this because it's what we want to do. Uh, then you get to the really bad things that come out of doing that sort of thing. I mean, the, the most infamous one that, that, that most people know about it was the whole situation with the Shah of Iran, and and our involvement in that came out of the fact that the Iranian government expropriated the assets of BP, which isn't even an American company, and as a result, the the, the American government decided that we were going to go get rid of the Iranian government because they stole the assets of a foreign firm. Well, there's a. Uh... 
there's, there's. I mean, you think about that. You, know, yeah. you think about that. Final Fantasy you go, wait a minute, what kind of stupidity was this? And and you know, of course, we all know what it led to, right? I mean, you know, ultimately the, you know, the, the so-called, I, I guess you could call it the color revolution over there, the you know, the hostages and everything else. Well, didn't uh, allegedly, and I don't want to say anything bad about him because he is in hospice, and we'll get the word any day here, I guess. Uh, Jimmy Carter, didn't he? personally talk with the Ayatollah and the Ayatollah re- reassured him that he wasn't going to do anything like that the minute he got there he did? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of stuff that uh, that went on during that period of time. I mean, you know, Carter got roasted for, for sending in that mission to try to rescue those guys that went bad. But, uh, frankly, I don't know that you can pin bad weather on a president, right? And that's what that's what caused that mission to fail. Uh, not exactly. Um, well, part of it. Part of it, because... Just, I mean, you know, you, you can't really do anything about a sandstorm taking out your stuff, right? No, except that uh, I just so happened, Carl, at the time, I was uh, happily, well, I wasn't happily because I knew they were going under, uh, working at Pullman, and one of the guys uh, that worked there had worked, uh, I think, for Bell Labs, or not Bell Labs, Bell uh, Helicopter. Yeah. And, uh, and he knew all about these helicopters, and that particular helicopter, I forget what forget which one it was, they knew had serious issues, especially with sand. Now, what, what Carter was dealing with is there was no SEAL Team 6 in those days. There was no... There was, there were no, there was, no, there was nothing like that. A, a very coordinated special group just for stuff like that. So yeah, we, didn't have, we didn't have a bunch of guys that, like, that was their job. No. So what we ended up doing is we ended up you know, they, they pieced together a bunch of people from different spots and he goes, that helicopter all the way through had been championed by one or two generals that had their basically their, their fanny attached to this program. Oh, Chief, that doesn't that seem to happen so often yeah. in our military? Well, something about every hundred hours, you had to redo the the, the uh, what's the what's the thing that not the, the propeller, but the thing that turns the rotor. No, I mean the, the the shaft. What do you call the the, the shaft would have had real issues with any kind of dirt, and you had to re. It was titanium. You had to replace it like every hundred hours or every thousand hours or something. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah so, I didn't know about that. yeah. So they they knew it. So anyway, they, they but they used those helicopters, and anybody right. and he and he said everybody because this guy used to go. His name was Marty Leno. He just just passed away. Carl, I'm going to say as as much as I I think you're up there. Marty was the smartest man I ever met, w- without any kind of question. He he was a he was a he was a Torah scholar. He was a lecturer at his church, Jewish. Um, he, he was a manufacturing engineering, like, Ph.D. and something else. Whatever, whatever the sub- subject was, he was a history, you name it. This dude, you could just pick a subject, and he'd, he'd lecture you for an hour. It was, he taught at some college somewhere. Anyway, but he, he said, no, these guys, it, he used to go to the Pentagon and work, do consulting for people. And he'd have to walk in. <clears throat> they'd, they'd search him. They'd give him a legal pad and all these documents. And when he left, he had to leave everything there, not even a note. He couldn't even leave the pen. He had to leave the oh, pen. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he said, no, this thing was basically a goat bleep from the get-go. That, that Unless they had perfect weather with the group they sent, it was, it was going to fail. And they didn't get perfect weather. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I, 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 I remember it happening. And and uh, you know I mean of course everybody I mean that's that's the albatross that everyone likes to hang around Carter's neck about you know above and beyond the inflation which I would argue was not his fault either right um, and you know now I'm not going to say he did a great job of managing it because I I think he did a terrible job 
But on the other hand, uh, you know, that's kind of like being handed a ticking bomb and then having people bent out of shape when it goes off and you're holding it. Well, the, uh, there is a book that actually one of the listeners sent me, and I'll, I'll bring it in and read the exact page. But when he was, uh, the inflation was, was, they knew they had to do something with the inflation, okay? So, I mean, this is how our, our country, and we're kind of talking about people's knowledge or lack thereof. And by the way, there's a lot of stuff I don't know anything about. So it's not like I feel like I'm an expert. If, if Carl started quizzing me on who, who the leaders are in Africa, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you one of them. I mean, so I mean, it's like <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that, you know, you have your little spot where people know stuff, and then you move out of it, you know, and you're not doing so hot. But uh, the, uh, they essentially went to Carter with a year later, with a year left in his presidency. And they said, you know, we got a problem economically, and it was the Federal Reserve people. And they said, we can either stop this right now by doing this, you know, the money supply thing that Volcker did, or we can wait a year. In other words, we can have a recession this year or next year. Right. And uh, Carter said, what should be best for the country? And they said, well, it would be best for the country if we started it right now, even though this was an election year. And Carter said, well, that's what we should do then. And by the way, I think I'm gonna, I can still win. Well, okay. So they, he, he essentially hired Volcker a year before year before right. and, and and if you were to walk down the street today especially with all the where Reagan has become godlike I'm going to say that 90% of the people will tell you that, that Reagan was the one who hired Volcker and he did not oh, right. yeah that's total nonsense yeah so but anyway just kind of but anyway we get back to the, the, this lady an audiophile well she of course the guy who was on from here John Neal who's a uh, PTI uh, guy from uh, Arizona I'd known John for 10 years Carl I had no idea that John had a huge room in his house with like maybe 2,000 albums and how many turntables and the best of this and the best of that. The guy's a, a total audiophile. Mm. Well, the, he and the two ladies, I, can you imagine this? I, I don't think I said a word for 30 minutes. What, what, I, I had no business in that conversation. Yeah. They were talking about different albums and the quality. But you know what I think is weird though? It's not, it's not just the album. Uh, people want the album cover. So if, you're, if you want to right. sell one on eBay now... They want they want the Doors or Pink Floyd. They want the cover, the Dark Side of the Moon right. album. So it's not just the the album, the, the the disc. They want the whole experience. So if, if the album cover is all scruffed up and you never you didn't take care of it, it's way even if the album itself is perfect, it's not as valuable. I believe. Yeah, no, that's a right thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there was a problem with that because during the time that I was collecting those kinds of things, uh, those album covers got used for certain. Purposes. Yes. Um, well, they they also you just jammed them together, right? <laughs> uh, but anywho, the uh, you know it was interesting. It was, I mean, I heard and I never put two and two together that she was the guy's wife. I mean, she 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 didn't act like an attorney when she was here. She acted like somebody who was thirty five years old and went to a concert. I mean, it's like okay then. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. The uh, by the way, uh, uh, Beetlejuice came on third. Yeah, she got clobbered. I. I don't have, I have a real problem with, you know, well, you hate to, you hate to, you know what, sometimes Carl, when the numbers say the numbers, last time she ran against five, I think it was five white people, white males that split the vote up. Now this time, there's, uh, there's Paul Vallis, there's Chewy, who some, talk about underperformed, for God's sake, and then the rest of them, is it, is it Matt Count, is it seven black people? I mean... Really? I mean, uh, she actually got, last time she got 90, I'm going to say 92,000 votes and was the winner going away with uh, 
Tony Preckwinkle getting 85-ish. And then Daly was 79-ish. Then Joyce and all those other guys that basically took a, a chunk out of Daly's behind running after. Because Paul Ballas was the last of the five white guys last time. So is this how weird this is? So now he's the only <laughs> white guy anyway. So Lorio actually only got, I'm going to say, 5,000 less votes than she did last time. But now every one of the uh, the lady who ran from the uh, the alder person that had no chance, she got like 2% of the vote, and somebody else got 3% of the vote. I'm not going to say that was what all go on to Lori, but if they did, she's number two. Right. Uh, but she, you know, but her... her her issue is kind of one of uh, personality and and somehow and somehow pocketbook. Well, that's I mean, pa- people vote their pocketbook. There's no doubt about that. I mean, a lot of no, guys, everybody, everybody, that's that's something that I've said for yeah my entire time coming on anything politically related is that when you get down to it, everybody makes this big deal out of this issue or that, but everyone votes their wallet. Well, and, and you also vote. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, the weird part is, and, and by the way. Louis lectured me this forever that you can't put your mentality into somebody else's all the time because people don't think like you. I mean, That's right. So uh, whenever you'd have some kind of a of a nasty problem with crime here, which is uh, Lori would come out and say, "What are you talking about?" You know, with five bodies laying across the expressway. There's actually last year at this time there would have been six. Uh, you know what? That dog doesn't hunt, Carl. It just doesn't. You can't... The, the Unbeknownst to her, I mean, if you look at the technical numbers the last year or two, the amount of shootings are down a hair. Okay? So I guess they're making progress in that regard, overall numbers. But if you look at the times of day, now they're any time of the day. And also, they're in any neighborhood. And also, right, well, that's, well, that's the big. I mean, yeah. from my point of view, just looking at the data within Chicago, and and that area, the big problem is is that when when I used to live there, yeah, there were places where you know that kind of gang banging thing was going on, and you just stayed out of them if you had any brains. Right. right. Problem now is there is nowhere you can go where there isn't going to be some of that. That's a risk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and and, and now the. It used to I mean, it kind of used to be. I mean, uh, well, so, you're, so, you're dri- so what you're doing is you're driving away both the tourism and the high dollar retail stores that pay all the taxes. Right. And, and, you're, and, you're, and people from the suburbs, uh, a lot of them will actually tell you, I'm never going to city again. Okay, there goes your theater, there goes your other stuff, your ball games. I mean, maybe you go to a bear game on a Sunday afternoon, maybe. But, but the, the strange part of it is everybody had this view of, uh, you know, a couple of gangs walking through Humboldt Park and <clears throat> get into a fight, and all of a sudden somebody pulls out a gun, and and three people get shot at four in the morning. And well, you know what? I'm never going to be in Humboldt Park at four in the morning. But now, every I'm not going to say every day, but I don't think a week goes by that we don't have one, two, three. This expressway is closed because we're picking up stuff. And the and when people start firing out of their cars, they don't care who they hit. And and and, and, and the <clears throat> the. Uh, the people who are, even the Kim Foxes of the world, which everybody loves to give no end of abuse to, me included, uh, it's it's not all, I mean, you and I would go another way with this, but it's not, there's not some logic. My buddy from Notre Dame, whose wife got killed uh, eight months ago, and Dan Ryan, yeah. the, uh, 
they were coming. They had a fundraiser at Saks Park, and they were they were driving down to Dan Ryan. He lived. They live in uh, Palos. She had just retired from being a special eds teacher in Evergreen Park forever. Yeah. And the guy's one of the nicest guy I'd ever walked. Big, huge guy, red hair. Hence the name Tiny, right? Of course, everybody had a nickname, so he was the biggest guy. So he was Tiny. Uh, and she gets shot in the express, and he pulled over, and uh, there was a Metra cop behind them that actually saw the two cars, got the license number, well, they, or the one car. So they, they find this, they chase this guy along city streets in a high-speed speed chase with a helicopter, so they pull the guy over. Well, they, they get let go because the determination was somebody started shooting out of them, at them from another car, and uh, so they returned fire, which they evidently have rights to do. I, oh, boy. And Tiny and his wife got caught in the middle. So it was uh, what's the what's the term? Uh, something combatant. Well, but it, there's a there's a there's a legal term. It's uh, something combatants, uh, a non-combatants, or essentially means collateral damage. So and they weren't shooting at them. They just what are they doing in the middle? <laughs> and uh, I'm going, hey, wait a minute, you, you got a gun. I'm sure it's not registered in a car. You st- you open it up, you you discharge it on a main thoroughfare. I mean. For, there's got to be, not to mention the high-speed chase and evading police and all the other stuff. Seems to me there's a list of stuff there if you don't even go with the murder part. Uh, that, I mean, I, how do you let somebody go, for God's sake? I mean, uh, yeah. yet, I mean, if, if you know, I, I don't know that she was able to, I, I, I'm going to say murder one, she'd have a real t- a tough time with. But, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff there, you know. Well, well, it seems to me that you've got negligent manslaughter at a minimum. At a minimum. S&P futures, now we're down to uh, NASDAQ futures up one, so we're giving up our rally here. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blowing up big stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. We've SP futures now down four. NASDAQ futures down six. We were down last night. We got the good Chinese numbers and we flew up and now we're slightly lower. Uh, not sure what that's all about. The Dow futures are pretty much unchanged. Like I said, individual stocks in the Dow, nothing's really. Microsoft's up a buck. We got Procter and Gamble up a dollar twenty-four. Uh, Caterpillar up two ninety-five. Nothing else really doing much. Man, Triple M actually is up two twenty-four. That stocks that up for a great company. They've been a really non-performer the last year and a half or so. It's kind of crazy. Some of the best companies have been the worst performers. It's very counterintuitive. Very difficult to be a stock picker. DAX up 79.5%. These were up, guys were up more a little while ago. FTSE up 68.9%. CAC around up 42.6%. Um, they've come down some. But Asia, they can't because they're closed. Nikkei up 70.3%. Hang Seng, get a little of this. Up 833.4%. Shanghai up 32.1%. This China's factory activity reading its highest level since 2012. I find it incredibly difficult to believe with the amount of people they've lost in COVID and all the other stuff. We'll get Carl's opinion on that in a second. Yesterday, Dow was down 232, S&P down 12, NASDAQ down 11, uh, bonds up four basis points, 3.95. Keeps trying to edge toward four, but hasn't got there yet. Uh, the bond up eight basis points, 2.71. So they're up. They're in danger of going under two, or I'm going to say in early December. Uh, now they've come back real strong to the upside. Of, uh, Japan, uh, same thing, 0.50 at the top of the range they're allowed to move. Oil down 60 cents, 76.43. Brent down 43 cents, 83.02. Natural gas up, up, up a penny to 276, but still very low. Arbob unchanged, 264. We've got gold up 740. Uh, it's turned around here. It was down a bit earlier. Uh, 1744, trying to make it back to 7, 18, I'm sorry, 1844. Silver up 4 cents, 21.11. Copper up 5 cents, 414. We've got Bitcoin up 343, 23,630. And we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, it's up almost, one per, the euro's almost 1%, so the dollar's down this morning. Not so much against the pound. Pound's vir- virtually unchanged, but the, against the euro, the dollar's down, like I said, 1%. That's why gold's up, blah, blah, blah. They all kind of string together. Matt, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.35 a.m. on March 1st, 2023. Traffic, there's an earlier accident westbound on the Kennedy. Happened just before Nagel Avenue, so expect delays westbound up to 10 minutes with stop and go traffic. This morning, Chicago mostly sunny skies throughout the day. Right now, 37 degrees, a high of 56 later on. Tomorrow, we're looking at cloudy skies. Expect rain on Friday from the afternoon into the evening. However, it's not all bad. Sunny skies throughout this weekend with a high of 41 degrees. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies. 
50 degrees currently, a high of 60 later on. Tomorrow, cloudy, and on Friday, the start of sunny skies, which will continue throughout the weekend. Yesterday in the NBA, Bulls played Raptors and lost 98-104. Bulls back tonight with the Pistons in Detroit. Game starts at 6 p.m. In the NHL, Blackhawks lost last night in a game against the Coyotes. Final score, 4-1. Hawks back again tonight at 7.30 at home. In men's college basketball tonight, Chicago State versus Gonzaga. Game starts at 8 p.m. Chicago State is playing Gonzaga? That's right. they got to be 50-point dogs. Yeah, it's pretty wild. How can, they, how can they even be on that schedule? That's, wow. I, that, that, that game can't even be on the board, as I'm, they say. I'm, I'm just the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. Oh, God. All right. Uh, now, Chief. Back to you. Carl is a uh, – of course, you missed the big thing. Is that Patrick Kane was uh, traded to the, the – the Rangers. I mean, how do you how do you be you know the guy that you, you still go to see when you go see the Hawks play, and all of a sudden you're gone for a second round draft pick? I mean, it's Carl. This sports, I don't I don't get it these days. But anyway, I have a question for you. I don't know if we were gonna necessarily going to talk about this because we I know you wanted to talk about some stuff here, but uh, I was the, the last couple days I've been thinking more about it. Just came out of CNBC here. I was kind of glancing at it. The question to the the uh, the guest was, how do we know if China is our friend or foe? And I guess the answer to that would, would be yes. I mean, or, or yes and no, both. Uh, how, uh, other than maybe, if we knew the whole history of it, you know, Athens and Troy, which kind of traded with each other and didn't really like each other until somebody swiped the other guy's girlfriend uh, and had a big war over it. Uh, how would you even, you're a student of economic history and other kinds of history, have you ever seen a relationship quite like this, the one we have with China? Um, well, I would say this is somewhat unique, but uh, Chinese, yeah, we, we, we in America have a very short-termism kind of view of reality. And I think it probably comes from the fact that, you know, our, uh, our civil society here in the United States is uh, 200-ish odd years old, right? And before that, it was a you know, it was a territory of mostly Britain, although not entirely, because there were plenty of other countries that were represented in the landmass. Uh, and so we kind of we look at look at our financial system. We report earnings and expect everyone to make their numbers on a quarterly basis. So everyone focuses on okay, what can I do for the next three months to make the numbers look good so that my stock goes up. And we have uh, we issue these farcical ten-year budgets. Every president does it, and no president has a possibility of being in office for ten years. Okay, you, you can't. You can't. You're at most you're eight, right? Do you know they're the only uh, democratic? Uh Successor to another Democrat in the last, well, since Roosevelt, you know who that was? There's only been one. Mm, no, I probably should know this. Sure, 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 you should. Is it Kennedy? Yeah, Kennedy to Johnson. Hey, there I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How did Matt beat the Carl in there? I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> It took well, me. It took me. Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm calculating back in my head while I'm doing this. Okay, this guy's and this guy there. Yeah. Um, How long did it take? It was Eisenhower. The thing about the Chief is that so much of this 
is based on what we tell people they have to do within the different arms of government to do this kind of work. And and that's one of a one of a nine hundred pound goals in the room that nobody will take on. Yeah, the CBO produces their budget deficit projections, right? Yeah, and they also produce all of their you know their other things. Well, every year, Congress votes on a doc fix for Medicare. Yep. Oh, yeah. And every single year they pass it. Now the doc fix is a payment adjustment upward that. Congress votes why don't why don't they just make this okay this is what it's going to be from here on forward and the answer is that the reason they don't do that is because the CBO is required by law to consider anything that can expire as though it will oh yeah well and so as a result every year they deliberately commit fraud upon the American public and the markets by deliberately understating the budget deficit that will take place, and they know full well that that is the case. Well, sure they do. It's intentional, and they do it every well, they, year. Or they might, but a lot of what, boy, you, see, this, this is the issue I have with Carl, uh, Matt, is that he always almost anticipates what I'm going to say, and he says it before I do in a better way. It's like a fortune teller. It's like a fortune teller. Yeah. It took me years to stump the Carl once. You just did it today. That's, that's good, for, good for you. Yeah, what can uh, I say? Good luck today. Yeah, good luck. It must be good luck. Like in a double yolk egg if you're uh, Italian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carl, I think there's, I don't know how to say, there's, there's, a, there's a way people think that they somehow, they actually think that somewhere along the line, Congress is going to do the right thing and let the stuff expire. I mean, it's, they, they're going to say it's it's not our job to say to Congress, "You guys are a bunch of bleep ups." I'm I'm going to put the budget together the way um, I I think it's going to turn out, and not the way you tell me to do it. Very similar similar to um, before COVID, when I used to sit and have adult beverages with the people from the Federal Reserve, pretty high up, and uh, and they would I would say, you know, how do you guys make policy? And he's basically horse bleep CPI numbers. Right. And they look at you like you got four heads and they go I said they they go, What are you talking about? And I said, Well the numbers are awful. How do you how do you make policy on those? I mean somebody's cooking them. And they go, Look, we're the Federal Reserve. I mean we're not we're not policymakers, these guys weren't. They were very brilliant economist guys. Uh, and they, they would say, the last thing you do or ever would even want to have happen is for the the twelve how many people are in the Federal Reserve, twelve or something sit down and for the first day all they do is rip into the CPI numbers. That's somebody else's job. Right. You know, that's that's not how it's not how government or, or, or companies work. You know, but the company at least, if you think you're going out of business with the number, the chairman's gonna say, Hey, straighten up or you guys are all gone. I mean it, you, you would hope that there's a uh, as, as the Jewish would say, a mensch at the top of the place that recognizes you're going off wrong numbers and writes the ship. But in, in politics that's not that. That's why, and uh, you know, and it's as as everybody talks about. We we'll, you'll be back on on Friday, so we can talk about all this Chinese stuff on Friday. But because now you wandered me off into another area, it's just incredibly difficult. I think people think that these guys are going to change, and and when somebody argues with me about term limits, it, or I argue with them, they think term limits are are uh, are an issue. My experience, Carl, is. It's almost just the opposite. Now, I'm not, 
I'm not saying I want you know Nancy Pelosi there for another 20 years or Schumer these people. You know that's not what I'm saying. But my experience has been when I ran for the board of the CBO, I had an agenda, and the other person that I ran with, they wanted to, we wanted to keep the markets very competitive. Meanwhile, other people wanted what they have now, you know, four people running the whole place. Of course, they all thought they were going to be one of the four people. Uh, and there was, there was an in- inherent conflict there, even though on a personal level, I think everybody, not everybody, I won't say everybody liked me, but I got along with everybody. And, and on just about every other issue and to run the place, they used me as a resource, you know, especially if it was finance-derived. Uh, but yet, I was there for three years, then I got reelected. But the staff, and the Morgan Stanleys of the world, the people who wanted essentially to own the order flow, the Schwabs, those people, they were able to totally outweigh me. And, and not that it, you know, and as time went by, some people on the board wanted DPMs, and they wanted to go specialists and that kind of stuff. So I had conflicts even there. So the stuff I set out to do, I was a to- an abject failure, even though along the way, by chairmanships and stuff, I, I accomplished a lot of things, but look at the market now. So obviously I didn't accomplish what I set out to do. But right. but I, I think as, as people were to say, well, you, just, you brought this subject up, the, as the Supreme Court has essentially said, uh, and I, people think I'm skipping around here, but I'm really not. It's all the same subject. The corporations are uh, essentially a regular person. Okay, now the problem with that is when the people put the Constitution together, you sit there and go, all right, even this guy is smart and as rich as Carl. There's 435 reps. There's 100 senators. There's a president. The ch- and everybody dies when they're 50. And, by the way, it takes six weeks to get from Carolina to, to New Hampshire by horse. Uh, you know, the, the chances of anybody being able to rig this game over a long period of time and actually control things through essentially buying off the... Your, your buddy representative in New Hampshire, wherever the hell he at, he's at, are zero. I mean, somebody might be able to get 25 people on his side and, and pull it off for a little while, but all of a sudden now it took him 20 years to get there, and now he's going to croak, and he's gone. So the, the timing of this is now we have a president there for four years, but the corporations that are really starting to run the show are there infinite. I'm not saying we want a president there infinite, but anybody can be outweighed. I think to his, to his extent, even though I, I, I couldn't stand a man from long before he was in there, to the extent that Trump tried to do some stuff good, and everybody knows I'm not a Trumper, he was outweighed and, and he was blocked at every turn, and then he, then he basically blew up himself. I think Carter might have been sort of the same way, but I, I don't see how these guys can accomplish anything with this momentum that they're, they're, I mean, it would have to be a president have to have 48 hands and put all the fingers in the dike. I don't think they even realize what's happening week to week in terms of the Medicare, in terms of, of who got some, some plan, who got some, some uh, they don't, don't, you don't get to read in a, in, a, in, a, in a bill what company managed to weasel their way in there. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't see how you even stop the flow in four years, much less eight. I mean, well, I, you know, one of, the, one of the things you do is you go after the dishonest dealing. Okay, and some of it is blatantly ridiculous. And uh, Medicare and Medicaid are where two of those things are especially stupid. Um, if you if you think about the relationship that you have with a physician, whether you pay that person directly or you have health insurance, doesn't make any difference. You are the person who is the the beneficiary, if you will, of the service, right? Because 
you know, for obvious reasons. I mean, you're, you know, it's your butt that's on the line when you uh, when you go see said person. All right, so that person, just by ordinary business standards, owes you honest dealing. Okay, not anymore. It doesn't mean that they, they, they owe you infallibility, but they owe you an honest transaction. Uh, that that used to be the way it was on the trading floor. Now it's not. People have gotten so brave, they're telling you what they're doing to you. I, I, I get that. Okay. So one of the things that shows up on my forum a couple of days ago is a copy of an email, which was a PDF originally, appears to be authentic, from Anthem in Kentucky. Now, in many states, Medicaid, this because Medicaid is a state and federal paired program, if you will, uh, the states have contracted out with the commercial insurance providers to provide that health care service and to pay for it. And, and this management level supposedly, and the states believe this increases efficiency and decreases cost, of course. You know, I, I would argue it does exactly the opposite. Me too. Yeah, you know, me too. I would agree with yeah, you. That's for, that, that's for another time, right? Uh, but what is in this document is that the that Anthem was paying a fifty dollar per person bonus to any physician per person that they gave the COVID jabs to. Okay, well, or stop, stop for a sec. Uh, here, I don't know that any doctor gave any. You shipped everybody to CVS and Walgreens. Well, maybe there was no no bonus program in your area, right? Well, I, mean, I don't think. I'm going to say my doctor never never had any vaccine. Well, okay, but, I, but look, the bottom line here is that is that this this is now what you have is you have a physician who didn't recommend that you get the COVID shot because they thought the COVID shot was a good thing for you to do. All right, that was not the only or even perhaps the primary reason that physician recommended you get the COVID shot. The physician recommended you get the COVID shot because he got fifty bucks. Yeah, you see, I, I that that whole this thing. I, I read it here, and I, first of all, I always believe you. I, I'm just saying it, it is it is so different than the program up here. There, I mean, uh, well, Medi- Medicaid's different from state to state, Chief. In some states, it's capitated, and they they pay the providers within an area based upon the number of Medicaid recipients, and then you don't get any money at all, but you, you got paid cash, so now you have an incentive to screw people and not treat them. Um, I mean, okay, I'm just, where you're, you're, you're ahead of me or I'm behind you or whatever, but what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is the, the program here was you got it at schools, you got it at all these storefront well, places. Yeah. You did, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, by the way, there's a doctor, <laughs> I, I've had people who... Uh, you know, one guy calls me last week and he goes, I got strep throat, I got this and that, you know, and I'm going to the drugstore and get my prescription. And I said, you know, kiddingly, because they don't, don't do it anymore, I said, well, did you get a shot in the ass? Well, no. I said, how, do you, how did you not get a, <laughs> a penicillin? Well, my day. Well, you how did you not, you know, I mean, obviously you get it in the arm now, but the, uh, the uh, God, do you remember the Benny Hill thing when everybody was getting the vaccinations? All, oh, the, yeah. all the guys come walking out rubbing their arms and all the good looking girls come out rubbing their butt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, the uh 
does do, do doctors even have a fridge now with a bunch of antibiotics there? They can give you a, a shot if they. I don't know of anybody who's get over to the drugstore and get your amoxicillin. Does anybody get a shot? Does, do doctors even have any of this stuff? Well, I don't know, but, but apparently, in, at least in Kentucky, in this particular set of cases, they do it. Here, I'm going to say, I don't know of a soul who got their their COVID from. I mean, of the two that I got, I got it to the Walgreens. Well, you know, and I wonder, and, and, but, you know, I wonder if there was, like, because, you know, that was, that was a funny situation, because normally when you get something that's a prescription medication, you have to have an actual prescription, right? So you have to have yeah. an order from a doctor on a pad. Um, that, that was not the case. Oh, 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 you're, 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 read that memo carefully. You're showing your age. Um, you're showing your age. Do, no, I don't, I don't even think that. Prescriptions electronic now. Yeah, right? you, you, you tell the but guy but your but preferred but pharmacy. But that also means that if you were a physician and you essentially electronically ordered that for your for your patient, then my assumption is you get paid regardless of where it was actually administered. Okay, but you didn't. You just walked in. It. They didn't even ask you who your doctor was at the Walgreens. Oh no! I, yeah, when yeah. I went around where, where I was, uh, you know, same deal. Okay, I mean, they, you know, the CVS had a big sign out front. Get your, you know, get your COVID shot here. And I don't even think and, you had to tell them. And, that so, and, and, and you know, once in a while, there was an ambulance sitting outside the place too, which was a little odd. Uh, but the, this was something. When I saw this, I was like, "Excuse me." And so then, basically, what they did was they went back and they looked in the medical records for all the people that were assigned, you know, that particular primary care provider. And if that person got the COVID vaccine, then you got your fifty dollars. Uh, Carl, serious question. Not like they all aren't. The fact that I went into the Walgreens and got my shot. Uh, by the way, I've got not gotten a booster, and I'm not going to. But I had the two shots, and uh, my doctor said wait eight months after you had it. And he was then also wait another four months before you get the second shot. So, I mean, mine were spaced out, and I think they made some sense. I mean, I, if I were to do it again, I probably wouldn't have got any of them, but at least we did it in a, in a, in a sensical way, I think. Uh, does everybody, who, who, who knows now that I have two of these shots? I mean, can my doctor just access, this, I mean, is, without me telling him, would he know I have them? I mean, yes. I, yes, yes, he would, because in most states, and, and this is actually, this is, this is just part of the general vaccine records. I mean, your, your kids' vaccine records used to be on a piece of paper that you took into the school when you registered them. Okay, not anymore. Now it's all on the computer, and the states have those records, and it's, a, it's a, basically a, a state-run registry. And for Medicare and Medicaid, every single thing we do that goes through those systems is in CMS's computer. And this is one of the things that I pointed out very early on was that when you know when Trump was making all this noise about hydroxychloroquine, CMS knew within weeks whether or not those drugs actually worked as a prophylaxis. And the reason is that drug is used by a few million people that have lupus and RA. It's off-label, but it works, and those people are taking it every single day. So all they had to do was do a query on that database and say, okay, in the city of Chicago, we have this many people that have this condition and they're using these drugs on a daily basis. Are they getting COVID at the same rate as everybody else? Okay. And, that's, and that was, I mean, it's, it, it is, there's no bias that you can put into that because nobody can query the study, right? I mean, the data is the data. It is what it is. And they have the billing record and the contact record 
every single health care visit that somebody on Medicare or Medicaid has because they're the ones that are paying for it. So is, is that why I, once in a while I get a text from the state saying somebody needs a booster? Is somebody being me? Well, probably, yeah, because you're on their computer, and, and that's, you know, that's part of their record. No wonder they don't want the doctors doing this on the sly. Well, it's, you know, this is, uh, but uh, this this sort of thing, and, and by the way, Obamacare made these electronic medical records and the ICD coding standardized where, you know, it used to be, I, I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, you went to the doctor and then the, the, you know, the, the chick at the front had to go pull the file out of this huge oh, yeah. lateral file that had all the oh, yeah. paper files in there, right, for yep. your, your medical records. Oh, no, now it's on a computer, and, and the problem with doing that is now it's all centralized. Well, and you can't, you can't, uh, they can't do something, especially if they're in one of these groups, they can't do anything without a bill. Well, yeah, and it's, but I mean, this is, you know, this is one of those things, it's like, there's, there is an awful lot of information in there. And then you have Blackstone that just turned around and, and bought Ancestry. I, I, okay, I so can't that, believe that that... Blackstone that's going to have DNA records. I cannot believe... I cannot believe that anybody's going to let that happen, but... Hey, to, just to, to tee up our... Our Chinese issue, because we'll talk about it Friday, because it was more than just the 20 minutes we had today. Um, I'm Nobody can... Who's, who's the, the uh, Asian dude? I can't say Oriental guy anymore. Asian dude who said no man can do one thing. Um, as, we, as we have more and more problems with, with China, or maybe we do, maybe we don't, uh, if we start screwing around with them dollar-wise, there's a, over a trillion dollars in dollar-denominated... Chinese debt owed by probably people in this country and other places. So, if we if we try and stop them from getting dollars, we're only screwing our own people because they're not going to get paid. I mean, we're we're in on this thing like a tick on a dog with these people. And uh, this is this this is a destructive relationship that we have allowed to go on for three decades. We should have stopped it an awfully long time ago, and we certainly should have stopped it with regards to critical things that you need to make, for example, medicines and and uh, semiconductors. We didn't do it, and now there's a problem. Well, you know, I, again, I, I've, if I listen to myself, I don't sometimes think I have a theme, but the theme I have with this, Carl, is, it goes way back to when I was in college, which was a long time ago, and the Milton Friedmans of the world. And, uh, you know, what? I, I thought the guy was a god on just about every subject, but he's been totally wrong on on this one, and, and he's not alone. But there's still a lot of people... And, and I sure hope they're right, Carl, but history has proven them wrong, are absolutely convinced, and again, it's trying to judge people like you are yourself. Somehow in this country, we, at least originally, threw off the yoke of tyranny and we threw off the yoke of uh, robber barons and unions got some power and, and the regular people, at least in those days, were able to get some economic power that's fleeing, you know, like a leak out of a bathtub. Uh, there's people here that are absolutely convinced that if we keep trading with China and they keep growing as a, as a society and more and more people get educated and all this other kind of stuff, that this government they have can't last. Somewhere in the next 20 years, they're going to say enough of this crap and they're going to get rid of these people. Uh, I don't know how that would even... But And there's still, I think in the back of everybody's mind is, we, and that's why we went to Mexico with Chevy plants. We went there, I think, because we thought... Instead of making three dollars an hour in ten years, these guys will be making twelve, and they're going to be buying stuff from up here. And all we're doing is is making and custom complete garbage. Well, but I'm not so sure that 
if you look at our history, that's what happened. I mean, if you were there were people that were working at 14 in sweatshops in the 1920s in this country. They never were ever going to buy anything, Carl. Sharecroppers never going to be. Somehow we threw off that yoke, whether it was to a certain degree. Now I think it's coming back, but to a certain degree, we, we did participate. Most people were able to participate and actually become customers and do those kinds of things. There's not a shred of this starting in any of these other countries. It, are we that unique? I mean, sure, we should always think that 50 years from now there's going to be some goofball like Z running China. Uh, shooting people down and doing all this other stuff that they do, and, and they're never going to have any sort of democracy over there and not be able to do anything. I mean, China's, China's been doing this for I, the, the, 10 times the, 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 the amount of time that America's been alive. Well, there's no disagreement on you and mine on this. What I'm saying is that's, that's what people thought. Take it even in Mexico. I mean, I mean, Milton Friedman, if you could pull him out of the grave 40 years after the guy croaked or 30, he would say, "This is still going on down there—a corrupt government and a bunch of and a bunch of drug people making sure nobody gets a raise." And he, he, you, know the, you know what the difference is? Two hundred and some odd years ago, we said no more of that BS. We picked up guns and we threw the guys that were doing it out. Right. Okay. Well, guess what? Um, show me who has done that on a popular level since. Well, it's pretty hard when you go up against tanks in Tiananmen Square. A little different. Uh, yeah, but that, that wasn't the, uh, the the individual people that uh, that sacked those tents. Right? It was one guy that stood up and took it. Well, I'm just saying, you and you and I in in, in 1760, with a, with a decent gun, were the equivalent of a soldier. They didn't have. Yeah, pl- but you know, know. What yeah, but see, here's the thing: when that stuff starts, this is this is where these people get it wrong. Yes, it's true that you're not the, obviously not the equal of a tank. He's just going to run you over. He's not even going to bother you wasting the ammunition on you, right? Right. But the thing is, while he's doing that, your friends go find that soldier's house with his wife in it, and you burn it to the ground. Well, yeah, that's, you know, what I'm saying is... Right? And, and, it's, and, well, and see, that's the thing, is that the people always hold the power, but you have to be willing to use it. Well, and I think, well, we'll kick this around more on Friday, that... What's happening here is almost the same as these other places. We still have. Well, it is. It is. And we're slipping that direction. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about on that happy note, Carl. Uh, what do you think? Is this market going to turn around or are we going to slip? What are we doing here? We're down 11. Uh, I, think, I, I think we're still having this fight over whether or not the Fed is going to back off, which is insanity, but, you know, that's that's what people are thinking. I would agree. SP Futures down 11, NASDAQ Futures up 29. Uh, Carl, thank you for. Uh, and let's just all, all really hope that Russell not only. Gets back together for himself, but he makes for his trip. He's got these people all yeah. going to London with him, and I mean, to yeah, that's, uh, boy, that's nasty. Yeah, but uh, you know, Russell is without a doubt one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he helps everybody. And uh, God, it must have been one hell of a crash. Anyway, all the best to wish him, him all the luck. We're we'll back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. 
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well.